Good morning, church. Truly, it is a delight to be here again. We've got new seats. It seems like we've also got a new pulpit. It's very nice to preach from new things, so thank you for that. Um, It is a blessing to be with God's people again here this morning on a cold, foggy day, but yet we come with joy in our hearts to worship our great God. I bring you greetings from Grace Reformed Baptist Church in Placerville, about an hour and a half from here, heading towards Tahoe. Some have called in on their way through as they've gone to the mountains to visit us. We thank you for that. And any of the rest of you are coming our way, please feel free to drop in. But I bring greetings from our church. We pray for you guys pretty much every week, like I've said before. Um, each Wednesday night when we have our prayer meeting, we will always bring the church here because we have a love and an affection for you all. And with that love and affection, we open up God's Word this morning as it's found in the book of Psalms. In Psalm 119, last time I spoke here, I opened up and began a series in Psalm 119, and it's today that we're going to come into that second stanza that you will find there in verse 9 in Psalm 119. Let's take a moment and let's read these words together as they're found in God's holy word. Psalm 119, beginning at verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Amen. This is God's holy word. Let's take a few moments and pray to our great God. Heavenly Father, we come into your holy presence this morning, and we do so with awe and adoration of the great God that you are. We thank you this morning that you have sustained us one more week to come into your house and to worship and praise you. As we've sung praises to you and to each other, as we've petitioned your throne already, as we've had your word read over us, we ask, O Lord, now that as we come to expound it, that you would aid us. We ask that you would send forth your spirit and that you would enable us to have listening ears. That you would, O Lord, this morning change hearts of those who, know not know, who do not know you. And, O Lord, we pray that as we would leave this morning, that we would be encouraged, not in anything to do with ourselves, but in the fact that you are a good and a holy and a loving God. Lord, help us now as we open up your word. Give us the words to say with reverence and awe to you. And may, O Lord, we raise praises to you later on. For we ask this in Christ's precious name. Amen. The main point or argument of Psalm 119 is that a faithful man should stir himself up to meditate on God's Word 
that he might establish himself in the Lord. The verses of Psalm 119, I kind of wanted to read them all this morning, but time would not permit. But all of the verses are grouped by, eight, by groups of eight. Okay? So each eight verses you will have a different heading and a different topic. And they are, as you all know, ranged in that Hebrew alphabet. The second set that we've read this morning comes with the beginning of Beth. Okay? So those of you who know Hebrew, this will be very familiar to you. I'm not very adept in Hebrew, so it's not, but the Lord will hopefully bless me in years to come to learn it. And the subject of this second session section is the word of Yahweh, or the word of our God, purifies and blesses our life. Him, and Him alone. And the text before us that we've just read declares how we, all of us, can keep our hearts right and pure before a holy God. You see, keeping our life pure or right is accomplished by God's holy word. Keeping our life pure is done by keeping it in line with God's words. Not yours, not anyone else's, not even mine, but God's holy word. You see, for the blessed work of sanctification truly is wrought in the heart by the Spirit of God. We need the help to come to interpret and understand it, and it comes by the means of the Word of God. And so our text this morning declares that a person cleanses his way or his conduct by living according to the Word. When we delight, when we find joy and we read God's Word as we should and we hide it in our hearts, as we meditate upon it, and as we share it with others, truly we can say that God is good. Why? Because of this. At times we do not take God's Word and use it the way it should be used. There are many times that God's Word is put up on the shelf and it's no more than a bookend. There are times, children, when we have your Bibles and after church on a Sunday, and I speak for my family, I don't know about yours, it goes in the Bible bag and it's thrown in the bit of the, or the trunk of the car. Bit of the car for me, but the trunk. And it stays there. There are times, and I preach this to myself, that as fathers, we do not open up God's Word till our family to our wives and our children as we should. We have a treasure. We have a treasure in God's Word that's worth everything that this world has to offer. Most of us, if not all of us, have something in our rooms right now, in our living rooms. It's green and it's got lights. And underneath, we wrap up things. We put ribbons and bows on it. And some of us, even me included, get a little bit excited. What is it? All of those things, all that the world has to offer, fall short of what we have here. God's treasure book. And so this morning, as we open up these eight verses together, I want to do so under these three headings. 
First of all, cleansed by the Word. We see that in verses 9 to 11. Blessed by the Word, verses 12 to 14. And then delighted by the Word in those final two verses, in verses 15 and 16. And so to begin with, then, cleansed by the Word. As Beth, the second alphabet division begins, it immensely and immediately throws at us such an important question in our day and even in the psalmist day. When it says there, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can he? Well, it gives us the answer. By guarding it according to your word. God in his goodness does not leave us hanging knowing what to do. He already gives us the answer. So he gives us the question, but right away he gives us the answer. How can a young man keep his way pure? The question concerns a person, a young man, and a most difficult task that is laid upon a young man, and that is keeping his way pure before a holy God. How can that young man, after shaking off those parental yokes and those care of his parents, how can he live a life that is pure and holy before a God? But I'm going to stop. And I'm going to ask, what in your mind do you define as young? I'm young. You're not supposed to laugh. You see, when we read God's Word and we read that verse, at times we can pigeon it into one group of people. We can look at, say, a 13-year-old boy up to, say, a 18, 19-year-old boy are turning into a man, and we think, well, how can that age group keep his way pure? And then we also pigeon it to just be a man and a man alone. But the Bible tells us that all Scripture is given by inspiration, not just for a selected group at a time, but for all people. And so this morning I ask you, how can you sitting in those green chairs this morning, keep your way pure. Yes, there are sins and difficulties that a young man and an older man and even ladies can struggle with. But yet I ask you, how can you all keep your way pure? You see, if we think of a young man we think of his life, and it talks about his way. What is that, his way? It signifies that track. Or think of it as, as that rut that is made by the wheel of a chariot or a cart. You all know what donkeys and carts are? That's how people think Irish people move around, but they don't. We actually have cars. But think of it. Think of the donkey and the cart. The donkey and the cart move in the same way back and forth. And what happens with that wheel that is on that cart? It begins to make a rut in the road. 
And that young man is making that rut, that beaten path, that most likely he will stay in for the rest of his life. Trials and struggles that he deals with day in and day out. And as we get into older years, some of us still struggle with those things and those ruts that we've got into that road time and time again. The Bible tells us, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. We are drowning in these days in a sea of impurity, are we not? Everywhere we look, we are tempted to lead impure lives. Billboards, newspapers, magazines, and it's now right stuck six inches from our nose on a phone. You go to buy tires for your car and there's impure things in front of you. The psalmist here questions troubles that all of us have to deal with day in and day out, and some deal with at a very hard and difficult level. The number one selling business in the United States is currently that industry that we know of. I won't say it for young people here, but it's that industry. How does a young man, an old man, even a woman keep their way pure? You cannot and will not do this by yourself. You must have counsel and strength, and more importantly, you must have the Word of God first and foremost in your life. The psalmist says it's so clear and wonderful there by guarding it, guarding it against the things of the world and guarding it with God's Word. It's found in reading and studying God's Word. It's sometimes doing things that are really, really hard. The Christian life, brothers and sisters, is not an easy one to walk on. The Word of God should be like that water. That water that we sung about in that hymn just before we come up to Come up, I came up here. Take away water, and what happens? You thirst, you wilt, and then what? You perish. We've all seen that person who has been deprived of water. Perhaps we've seen a movie, and some guys in the desert. I like cowboy movies, and I did with my dad years ago. You'd see them walking along the desert with their horse, and there's no water left. And they'd come to a town, and what would they do? They'd stick their head right into the trough of water and start drinking. That is to be what we are like. There are times when reading God's Word is sometimes the last thing we want to do. 
I'm not standing up here and saying I've got all my ducks in a row and reading God's Word is just wonderful. No, it's hard and it's difficult, but it's where we find life and comfort and help to guard against the things of the world. You see, God has given us promises in His Word. He has given us clear instructions. Young man, young woman, middle-aged man, middle-aged woman, whatever age group you fall into, the Bible alone must be your guide. You must exercise in these days truly great watchfulness. We're to be a watchful people. Why? That we don't fall into the snares and the temptations that this world has to offer. You see, even with the most accurate map, we have it. It's right here. It's in all of your laps. But there are times even with that map, we can still lose our way if we don't follow it. Man, I'm sorry, but I'm going to pick on you. When was the last time you asked for directions? When was the last time being lost we asked for directions? When was the last time in dealing with your sins you asked a brother to help you? Sister, when was the last time you didn't know how to go about a certain circumstance? Did you ask everybody else but not go to the Word of God and then go to a sister to help you? You see, the narrow way was never hit upon by chance or anything else. Neither did any intent of person ever lead a holy life and now gets to heaven. No. We sin. We sin every single day. Even this morning we have sinned. But we with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our mind need to walk in a path of righteousness that's found in the words of God and His holy book. You see, soap and water. Soap and water are essential. At least they should be. But soap and water are essential for cleanliness and personal hygiene. But what happens when you don't wash and you don't use soap and water? Soon you become dirty, you become filthy, and you become, sadly, unacceptable to others. I have the worst nose in the world. I smell everything. I can smell a dirty diaper from a hundred yards. Now, I won't change that dirty diaper. I will do everything else apart from that, because come with the bad nose is a bad gag reflex. But think upon that person who walks past you in the, in the shopping center or in the, the grocery store. And maybe they haven't washed in a week or two. Sometimes our kids will tell us before we realize, and they go, Wow, they smell really bad. But so too is a Christian who neglects God's Word. Soon we become dirty, we become sinful. 
And at times the worlds and and the cares and the evils of this world that we live in become more to us than God's Word. And we become filthy. And what happens? Soon we don't go to church. Soon we don't seek fellowship with those who are around us. Why? Because we know we smell, we know we're bad, and we want to put ourselves off from them. Brothers and sisters, if that speaks to any of you this morning, I urge you, get into the Word, get back to Sunday services, and have fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You see, this defilement, this not wanting to read It cuts off our fellowship with the one true and living God. As believers, we should desire to have a heart and a mind and a body and a soul that is pure before a holy God. That should be our desire. That should be our hunger. And God's Word teaches us the best way of doing that. By guarding it according to your word. Now, no more has he finished saying that, that he goes on in verse 10 and he says this with my whole heart. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. You see, that picture of the heart in Scripture is everywhere. Think upon the heart. What does the heart signify to you? For some, on Valentine's Day, it's what we draw on cards. Colored in red. For other people, they have bad hearts. They have hearts that don't work right. But a heart distinguishes one thing. It's either beating or it's not. It's either living or it's dead. That is the heart that we read off here. You see, how do you experience more of the life of God in your heart? It's by this, by seeking Him with all that you have, with your whole living heart. We have a desire to seek God. You do, because you're sitting here this morning. That was pretty intense fog. It's pretty cold. Some of us drove an hour and a half, but we're still here. Why? Because we have a desire to be here. But so often, as our brother even prayed this morning, we do it so feebly. And we do it sometimes out of just doing it. And sometimes we are so caught up in our own lives and our own habits that our pursuit of God at sometimes is weak. Take this week, for instance. This time next week, it will be Christmas Day. I have three very excited kids in that row who are just cannot wait. But as parents and as husbands and as families, this week sometimes we get so caught up in the things of what's going to happen that we sometimes put aside our devotions. We put aside our family worship. 
Sometimes we even put aside the worshiping of God on His day. We need to, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our mind, above all else, worship the one true and living God and read His holy word. Take King David. David sought God with his whole heart. He desired to commune with God personally. He desired to worship God. Yes, he failed. Yes, he didn't do it perfectly. But he had that yearning and that desire to fellowship with God and God alone. What does the Bible tell us in one of the Beatitudes? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You see, it's the second half of verse 10 that reveals the earnestness of his wholehearted search by praying that God wouldn't prevent his going astray from God's Word. Why? For it's by obedience that we follow after God. Let me not wander from your commandments. Oh, how prone we are to wander. We're often like Pilgrim in Pilgrim's Progress. We are always looking over the fence, what's over there. And sometimes we wander from the commandments of God and we throw our leg over and soon we begin to walk down the other way. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. You see, when a godly man cries out to the Lord with my whole heart, I seek you, let me not wander from your commandments, that man should pursue it with everything he's got. There shouldn't be anything that stands in his way from seeking after God. It shouldn't be family or friends. Perhaps even circumstances know we should do everything we can to be where God is in His Word. Here on the Lord's Day, worshiping Him. Even at prayer meeting on a Thursday night, here with God's people, worshiping Him in song and hymns, spiritual songs and prayer and the Word and reading the Word and having it expounded. That is what we should pursue. But look at verse 11. The psalmist asked that he would, he would be preserved from wandering. And then look at verse 11. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Your word I have hid in my heart. His heart would be kept by the word because he kept the word in his heart. The psalmist here had stored away portions of God's Word in his heart as his treasure. It was like a treasure chest to him. And he stuffed everything in his pockets. He endowed everything that he could. Why? Because there could be a time when he needed to remember these things. And this was one of them. Remember thy Word. Brothers and sisters, there may come a time 
when people try to take the word from us. There may be a time when persecution comes upon us. There may be a time when God's word is not so easily, readily available to us, and then what? Memorize Scripture. Memorize the Word of God. Store it in your heart that you might not sin against God. It's like the child and the the cookie jar. The child sees the cookies in the cookie jar and he's already been told by his father, do not put your hand in there. And the child walks over gingerly and it hears it in his voice, hears that voice in his head. And he pops the lid. Before he puts his hand in, he remembers the words of his father, do not do it. That is what storing up God's word does. When sin comes across our path, we have the Word of God hidden in our hearts that we know that what we are about to do is sinful and wrong, and it stops us. Hide the Word of God in your heart. It should be deep within us. Memorize it. You see, the Word of God is vital to everything that we do. It's like that roadmap that we have and we need. How do we know to get there? It's by the Word of God. Church, I'm going to challenge you this morning. Memorize some Scripture together. I don't know if you already do it. If you do, may the Lord bless you. And if not, may He put it upon your heart to memorize some of Scripture together. Brothers, memorize it together. Sisters, memorize it together. Write it down. I'm an audible guy. I like to hear it. Listen to it. It's readily available on our apps, on our phones. Continually have that Word going into our minds and in our thoughts. And then encourage one another by saying it to each other speaking off it with one another, storing up God's Word in your heart. These are the things that will cleanse us and help us against sin. But then secondly this morning, we are blessed by the Word. Verses 12 through 14. Verse 12 says this, Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. You see, with a great sense of joy and and adoration to the God, the psalmist here blesses the Lord for everything. Our God is most blessed, and He is supposed to be blessed, and, and we're supposed to offer blessings and sacrifices to Him. He is the perfection of all that is good and holy. We are the opposite. We are vile and sinful. We are in need this morning of a holy, just, loving God. And the realization that blessedness lies in God so that we in these days are to be more like Christ in the way we live our lives. 
This morning, are you dying to yourself and living to Christ? Or are you just living for yourself? Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. You see, one of the first rules of law is that ignorance of the law is absolutely no excuse. None. Why do I say that? As an 18-year-old boy in Northern Ireland, I was rudely reminded of this one day. I'd started down a steep hill, and the road sign said 45 miles an hour. By the time I got to the bottom of the hill, I was doing a lot more than that, and the speed had changed to 35. Lovely. Got those lights behind me that light us up like a Christmas tree, so to speak, those red and blue lights. It's no different in Northern Ireland. They're still the same color. We pull over at the side of the road, and the police officer came up, and he, he'd like to inform me of the speed limit that I was going at. I won't tell you what it was, but it was a lot more than what it should have been. And he asked me, did I know what speed limit it should be? This is where ignorance gets you nowhere. I said, I'm not really sure. It's a 65 normally on the road, and I was on a hill, and maybe I was going a little bit faster. So that gave you an inclination of what speed I was going at. But my ignorance and my plea for ignorance did absolutely nothing to ensure him of my good intentions. I said, look, I had my foot on the brake. I knew I was going down a hill. I knew I was gaining speed, and I was trying to slow up. His words were, sorry, son. Ignorance gets you nowhere. Read the road signs. Kind of abrupt, but it was true. I got what I deserved. I had broken the law. And I paid. My ignorance that day cost me a fine and some extracurricular lessons. Wonderful. But it also taught me a very valuable lesson now in my life. Looking back as an 18-year-old, I'm like, man, I really don't like that police officer. I really don't like the law. But standing here now, it teaches a good lesson that ignorance of the law is absolutely no excuse. You see, God's laws are positive instructions that help us live a life that is pleasing to Him. We can show our love for Him by knowing, okay, knowing His statutes, but then also living according to those statutes. Because why? Someday... Someday all of us in this room will be held accountable and responsible for what we know and the truth that we have in our laps. And in that day, there is no excuse. You see, our God is so good to us. He's so worthy of praise even this morning that He's given us His Word. He's given us those very laws and commands that He wants us to obey and to know. We're not left to ourselves. No, He is a just and a good God. God's law is not there to punish us. Many people think of God's law as that stick that He beats us with. No, it's not. 
God's law is like those arms outstretched like a father, ready to embrace and to love and to help those. But can I also, as a church, ask you to do something? Know these things and then pray them back to God. At times in our prayers, we can be sheepish. And at times it's right, we should be, because we're coming into the presence of a holy God. But like we've looked at this morning already, how can a young man keep his way pure? Cry it back to Lord. Lord, how do I keep my way before you pure? Reading your word, give me a desire to read your word. Because why? Why am I saying you to do those things? Well, look at verse 13. Verse 13 says, With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. Verse 13 challenges all of us here this morning, those of us who believe in Christ and, and know God as our Heavenly Father, not to confine or to hide these words, but to tell others with my lips those things that move quite a bit. And sometimes not always for good. You see, what God has revealed to us, we should tell others. We should be that salt and light that God has called us to be. What truer, better, more profitable subject is there to talk about with anyone than what God has taught us in His Word and what He has done for us? That should be our conversations. You see, notice the teaching on inspiration here that he has. It's the law of God that comes from his mouth. It's literally God's Word that flows out of him because it's all building upon it. He's seeking God with his heart. He's storing up these words. He sees God in, in the Scriptures, and he, he's asking them to teach this, the statutes be taught to him, and then it's as if he bursts. And he cannot hide these things anymore. He must tell others. But are we like that? When was the last time any of us opened our mouths to a sinner and told him of Christ? When? When was the last time you could stand like the psalmist, so in love with your Father above that you burst? And the words that come out are not what I'm getting for Christmas. They're not, oh, I'd love a new car. Oh, did you see what I did in my kitchen and I've done it all up? No, the words that come out are the words of God from His Holy Word. Brothers and sisters, that and this is what we are to be about. This is what we are to be known for. Speaking and teaching the Word of God to others. Because look at verse 14. It says, In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. You see, David tells us here that this joy comes from nothing. Nothing this world has to offer. 
It comes from delighting in His God. Where is your delight? Where is it this morning? Most of us wouldn't ignore a dollar on the ground. Might need to be ten dollars nowadays with the way inflation is. But most of us, if we saw money on the ground, what would we do? You'd pick it up, wouldn't you? I know I would. I'm an Irish man. And what would we do? We'd pick it up and we'd shove it in our pocket. And yet day after day there is so much abundance of money in God's Word and riches from Him, and yet we walk over it. It remains shut. The dust begins to settle upon it. The Word of God is like when we watch some of those Disney movies and they have that chest and you see the back of the chest and the guy on the other side and they lift the lid and the light illuminates their face. That is what God's Word is like to us. Or at least it should be. It should be that desire and that love and everything should be wrapped up in it. But most of us, most of us chafe under rules for they think that they restrict us from doing what we want. And so when we read this and we say, in your ways of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches, we go, what in the world? Some of us chafe under these things. But it's not the way it should be. The psalmist says in 119.72, he says, The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. It's better than having billions and billions of dollars. It's better than having the biggest house in the, in the avenue. It's better than having whatever, fill in the blank. The law of your mouth is better to me. Is that how we are? Is that how we look upon the law of God? Many of us chafe. Then 111 says this, Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. Our riches are not in this earth. It's in heaven to come. Why? Because it's the work of Christ and the cross for us. God sent His only Son. And Jesus Christ did not chafe under that at all. No, He went freely and willingly to die for you. And yet, what do we do? When God says, love your neighbor as yourself, I'm not loving that guy. Children, when it says, honor your father and your mother, we chafe at it. Even, even older people. Me and my mom rub each other up the wrong way. And at times it's hard to honor her, but it's what God has called me to do. God's law is given to us to help us and to guide us along this path. 
It's not to beat us with a stick with. No, it's actually love that He gave them to us. Riches are desirable as a means of procuring personal enjoyment, but God's testimonies produce the highest joy. How do we know that? I'm not sure what day your families are doing Christmas on. Or what time you guys get up at in the morning. Say it's 6 a.m. And your kids wake up. They come downstairs if you have them. And they run into the living room. And they pull all their presents that are theirs. Okay? Heaven forbid they take someone else's because that's World War III. But they pull all their presents together. And then suddenly the wrapping paper goes crazy. And it's everywhere. Pretty good scene. Go forward a couple of hours. And then what? They start to complain. They start to say, this isn't really the one I wanted. Perhaps your wife buys you a lovely sweater. My wife has not done this, so I can use this example. She buys you a lovely sweater. And maybe Christmas has not been favorable to you, and a few pounds have gone on, and you go to put that sweater on, and it doesn't fit. And you're disappointed. Let's be honest. You're going, man, put on weight, and it doesn't fit. Worst Christmas ever. But isn't that how we are in the Christian life too? We have the riches and all the riches of God's Word right here. It's in your lap. It's even in your own language. It may even be in your own translation that you like. ESV, New King James, whatever. We even have that blessing. And yet how often we just spurn it and put it aside. Brothers and sisters, this is our treasure. This is our hope. This is where we read of our Savior coming as a baby. But it's also where we read of Him dying on a cross. And God in His goodness has given us, we are actually the most blessed people because we've got it all. God's Word is to be desired above all else, but I ask you this morning, is it? How is your walk with God? How is your time in the Word? How is your prayer life this morning? Perhaps some of us need to cry out like the psalmist and ask forgiveness that we too would delight in it more than the riches of this world. That our eyes would be taken off this world and focused upon heaven. Because then thirdly and quickly, that is where we will be delighted by the Word. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word.
meditate, store up, praise God, and meditate. Now, what is meditation? When the Bible talks of meditation, what does it mean? Back in Macrofelt again, my dad had dairy cattle. Some here may have cows as well. And often you'd see the cows literally bolt from the milk parlor down the road into the fields and just devour the grass. And then about three or four hours later, you'd see them all lying with their big bellies and they'd just be sitting there. But their mouths wouldn't stop. Why? Because the cows at that time were beginning to chew their cud. What on earth is cud? Some of you are smiling. You know what that is. Others are going, is this a foreign language he speaks? No. But cud is what they would do when they would eat all the grass and it would go into one of their many stomachs and then what would they do? They would bring it back up. Sorry. (laughs) Dinner's rained in that lady's house this afternoon. Please don't think of the cows. But they would fill it with grass. They would fill it with food. They would settle down. And what would they do? They would bring it up. Why would they do that? Because they needed to grind it. And they needed to chew it. And they needed to put all that goodness back in to make what? What do cows make, children? Milk. Was it time-consuming? Yep. They would lie there for many an hour and you would go, wow, those are lazy cows, but they would do it anyway. Was it a waste of time? Absolutely not. I love a good glass of milk just like the next guy. Okay? It was not a waste of time. And so is meditating upon God's Word. When you see that word meditation, for some think of the cow, for others perhaps we'll get you a different analogy next time. But think upon that time-consuming, yes, but waste of time, no. Why? Because the psalmist did a lot of mental chewing. He would read God's Word. He would ingest it and digest it, and then he would bring it back up, and he would regurgitate it. He would think upon it, and he would use it. There was no fast food for him. No, we too should follow that example and chew upon what Scripture is saying. Do not treat your Bible as it was a snack food. No, it it is the finest dining that you will ever have. God's Word is not meant to be that fast food. No, brothers and sisters, slow down. Slow down when reading God's Word and take a good long time at chewing over it. Remember, the deep truths of the Word of God are to be mined out. And they're to be mined out with that speed of meditation, thinking upon it, learning from it. Reading our Bibles is such an important and necessary part of our daily Christian life. Daily. And I say that intentionally. Do you know how to meet the problems of the day? 
Do you want to know what God wants you to do with your life? Then you must pray and you must consult that wonderful guidebook, the Bible, every single day. If we say that we are too busy to read God's Word, then I'm telling you now, you're too busy. See, those who only like the starter of the meal just take a little sample here and there, never really acquire much taste for it. Please, open the Word. Read the Word. Ingest the Word. Meditate upon the Word. Because look what he says. Verse 16, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your Word. Delight in God's Word. Reflect upon it. Use it as that mirror against your life to see how you stand before a holy God. God has given us the best thing to do. Because why sin defiles and destroys everyone who needs protection against its deadly infestation. We are all sinners here this morning. None of us are sinless. If you are, you'd better talk to one of your pastors before you leave. The Bible declares a person clean by coming to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, by obeying the Word of God, by being with God's people. Jesus prays in John 17, 17, Sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is truth. See, this book is the mind of God. With this we'll close. This book is the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners. It's the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy. Its precepts are binding. Its histories are true. And its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise. Believe it to be safe and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct, food to support, comfort to cheer. The Word of God is that traveler's map, that pilgrim's staff, that pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Here, paradise is restored. Heaven is opened. The gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject. It's of perfect design. And it shows us the glory of God. The Word of God should fill the memory. It should rule the heart and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, a paradise of glory, and a river of pleasure. Follow its precepts. 
And it will lead you to Calvary, to that empty tomb, to the resurrected life of Christ. Yes, to glory itself for eternity. The Word of God is all of this. The Word of God is so much more. There's We could never spend enough time in the Word of God. And even if we spent every minute of hour that we had, we couldn't grasp it all. Its riches are massive. The Word of God truly is a book to be loved. But do you? Do you love the Word of God like you should? Will you defend the Word of God like we should in the days that are coming? The truths that are contained in it will make us stand out, as we say in Ireland, like a sore thumb. But are we willing to defend the things contained in it because of the one they speak of? The one who its subject is all about. The one who this week, sadly, we will think about at times, and at other times the world will come upon us. The Bible is good news. Because it speaks of the one who brings good news, and his name is Christ. There is nothing we can do that the psalmist has written if we are not found in Christ. If we sit here and think that we can be good on our own, you cannot. You need the saving work of Christ on your life. The psalmist knew of this, and so should we. This week, Christ will come afresh to many. It'll be in a mantelpiece on a card. It'll be in carolers that'll come around and sing of His glory, but many people know these things, and yet they spurn them. This morning, I urge you, if you sit here and you see Christ and you hear these things, then run to Him. This may be your last Christmas upon this earth. It may be mine. This may be the last Sunday I have to open up God's Word anywhere. And so this morning I urge you, as every good preacher should, turn to Christ. The psalmist clearly tells us the help that is there. But the greatest help we need this morning is not how to live our lives. It's how to be saved from our sins. These things are of, of coming after those things. Young people, do you know of Christ? Do you know of the one who, in a few days, we will give praise and honor for his birth? Do you know him? Yes, you know him by name. But do you know him in that heart? That just like we said, is either living or dead? In spiritual terms, are you living or are you dead? This morning I urge you, run to him. 
Run to the one who can take that dead heart. The only one who can take that dead heart and give you a heart that is beating and in love for him. Why? Because the things of this world give no pleasure. Not one. The things of this earth only bring damnation and death. This morning I urge all of us, run to Christ. Run to the one who will help us to do these things. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for the treasure it is to those of us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet this morning we come and we confess that we do not delight or love it as we should. Lord, we ask that you would forgive us for this. That you would forgive our apathy and the times that we push the things that we should be doing behind and the things that we should not in front. Oh Lord, we ask that you would help us in this. Give us that hunger and that desire to be in your word day and daily. May it be, O oh Lord, that your word would be that treasure that we, we, we orientate our day around. And that being in your word and, and reading it would be the most important thing in front of us. Lord, we ask for those this morning who are in who have no desire to read your word, no desire to know anything of you. Lord, we ask in your kindness that this morning that you would open their blind eyes, that you would remove the deafness from their ears, that you, O Lord, would give them a new heart, and that they too, O Lord, would have that hunger and that desire to be in your word. Lord, we ask that you would continue to be with us, help us even now as we meet around your table. May it be that delight to our souls that you have given it to us as well. And Lord, may we rejoice in you, the one true and living God, for we ask it in Christ's precious name. Amen.